0: Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. It's so great to be uh, speaking to you again today as we carry on our series, running up to Easter Sunday, looking through the eyes of Peter, at who Jesus really is. So get your Bible out, get some way of taking notes out and come expectant that God would speak to you. You may be here for the very first time. You might have just uh, joined us, stumbled into this. Uh, you're so welcome and you might be unsure of who God is, of what he's about, what. Well, I pray that today you would encounter him as I speak to you now from scripture, from the Bible. So, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 17. Uh, So, you might want to get that ready, verses 1 to 9. You might want to get that ready. But first of all, I just want to say you know, this story is going to be quite a wild story. And I've been a Christian for most of my adult life, so many years. And most of those years, like some of you who've been a Christian a long time, they've been spent working out what it is to be a disciple, working out what it is, the hard, long journey of actually following Jesus, of living and trying to live like Jesus wants us to. But they've also been in that long journey some one-off Incredible moments, moments where heaven meets earth, moments where in some way I've encountered God in this special way. And those moments have changed me forever. In fact, some of those moments have led me to be standing right here now speaking to you. I'm not sure I ever would be if it hadn't been for those mountaintop moments where heaven meets earth. Earth. And when heaven meets earth, when you have those uh, powerful encounters, those unveiling moments of who God is, I think two things happen, both biblically and from my personal experience and others. First of all, we get a greater revelation of who God is. It's like an unveiling, appealing back of who he truly is. And secondly, we get what I call an aha moment. We learn something absolutely crucial for our lives, something that we think I've got to put that at the core of who I am. So, when heaven meets earth on mountaintop experiences, two things happen. We see a greater revelation of who God is, and we see a greater revelation of who we are. Something we need to put at our core. That's going to be our structure. Of the next half hour, you might want to write down those two headings. When heaven meets earth, the title of the talk, and then two structures, greater revelation of God, greater revelation of myself, an aha moment. That's going to be our structure because the passage today I'm going to read to you is a mountaintop when heaven meets earth experience. It comes in Matthew 17. We're going to read it now together. It will appear on the screen. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So as you can see this is a wild experience like they fall down face down terrified and Jesus say don't be afraid. It's such a wild experience and the context is Hazel brilliantly spoke into the context last week where Peter a key disciple is slowly realizing who Jesus is. First of all he says you're the messiah which means you're the chosen one, you're the anointed one, you're the promised one that would come. And then Jesus reveals that what this means is he's gonna have to suffer and die on the cross, but be raised again on a third day. And Peter can't handle this. He's like, no way. And Jesus says, yes way. This is the way of the chosen one of God. This is the way to free people, to free you and I from our sins, from the things that we do that hurt ourselves and others. This is the only way. So that's what's happened, and now they've gone up this mountain. They've gone up this mountain, it, and this wild things happen up this mountain—a heaven meets earth moment. We see in verse two that Jesus is transfigured before them. Now, this word transfigured is where we get the word metamorphosis, change. That's the Greek uh, word there, changing from the inside out, transformation. We all long for that, don't we? To be changed. Jesus is transfigured metamorphosis before them and his face shines like the sun and his clothes become as white as the light. Now, what is going on here? How is this a greater revelation of God? Remember the structure of this talk? Greater revelation of God and an aha moment for us. So greater revelation of God. What's going on here? Well, the disciples, including Peter, are getting a glimpse of something incredible. They're getting a glimpse, first of all, of Jesus pre-incarnate before he came to earth. His everlasting existence as the divine son of God. They're getting a glimpse into his pre-existent glory. The first chapter of John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through Jesus Everything you see, everything around you in your living room right now, your kitchen, wherever you are, everything you see was made through him before, way back here. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. What happens to Jesus' face on the mountain? The light shines out of his face. The light shines in the darkness. The disciples are getting a wild glimpse an unveiling, appealing back of Jesus's pre-existent glory. How wild is that? How incredible is that? That this Jesus Peter's been journeying with, this Jesus he's been just like them and talking with them and eating fish with them and chatting with them and doing stuff with them. This Jesus has an everlasting glory from before the world began and yet he's right here. He's right here and he's right here. We believe as Christians, he's right here today by his spirit. He's right with you by his spirit today. This Jesus from before time began. So they're getting a glimpse of his pre-existent glory, but also they're getting, get this, an anticipated glimpse of his future glory, of his exalted through the grave on the third day, raised up, ascended glory. How do we know this? Because again, if you've been following with us the last few weeks and months, we've been studying Revelation, and there's a glimpse, there's a vision of the risen, exalted Jesus in Revelation 1. And guess what? White, blazing clothes, his face shining like the sun, brighter than the sun. So the disciples, Peter, James, and John, on a mountaintop in the present moment, get a glimpse. Of past, pre-incarnate glory and future, risen, exalted glory of Jesus. Past, present, future, colliding, coming together in the present moment, right in front of their eyes when heaven meets earth, a greater revelation of who Jesus is, of who God is. No wonder they fell down, terrified. Whoa, whoa. And opening up past, present and future spiritual reality. And we can get so used to this earthly reality. But if you remember nothing else today, wake up to true spiritual reality. The things beyond what you see right now, the things beyond what you're concerned about right now. Jesus rules and reigns and he always has. He's the divine son of God since before the world began, since after the world ceases to exist and we're all with him. He reigns and rules. He's worthy of all praise. Put everything you're worried about under his feet. It's small fry compared to him, and he is true reality. He's true reality for you today. Make everything else small because he deserves to be big. He is everything, and that's what happens on this mountain. The first thing that happens, a greater revelation of Jesus. Now, what does Peter do? What does Peter do? Well, he begins to act, he begins to do something. And often we can do that, can't we? Like We might encounter God, we might get a fresh word from God and we're like, right, I know what I've got to do. I've got to do this stuff. I'm going to put that in place tomorrow. I'm going to do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about just worshiping? What about just being still? What about letting it sit on you, in you, around you, the presence of Jesus, his majesty, before you rush on and decide what that means and what you're supposed to do? This is why worship's so important worship 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 we're going to see what Peter does when he acts now but verse three sets this up because what happens is then appeared before them Moses and Elijah so two other people appear crazy like this is this is bonkers like we must it's fine to say that this is just really weird Moses and Elijah, the closest I could think was when, uh, and, and this is a spoiler, but if you haven't seen it, it's your fault. It's when Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, The Last Jedi appears in front of his nephew and takes all that laser beam firepower on himself, but he's not really there. Like, but even that, this is just weird, right? This is weird. Moses and Elijah appear. Moses, the leader of God's people out of slavery. Moses, uh, the bringer of the law who's had an experience on a mountain when heaven meets earth of God and he comes down with the Ten Commandments, God's guidance for for living in relationship with him. So Moses, the law. And then Elijah, one of the greatest prophet, a herald of God's end time plan. So when Moses and Elijah appear, their appearance symbolizes the arrival of what? The arrival of a whole new era, a whole new age. And here, right next to them, is that age, the age of Jesus, the age that we're in today. Now, what does Peter do? What does Peter do? Well, it's quite comic here. We see Peter's impulsivity. We see he's just not quite getting it right. And before we we're quick to laugh at him, but we're just the same. We would just be the same. So we are going to laugh at him, but just remember, we're just the same, okay? What, do we, what does he do? Verse four, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So Peter basically says, let's get the campsite ready. Let's get the marshmallows out. get the cocos on. I've got my Instagram ready. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Let's set up some tents. Let's camp out. This is great. This is, oh, wow. I love that in Luke's version of this account, it says, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, not knowing what he said. That's what Luke, the doctor, who notices these things, he adds in. Peter, not having a clue what he was talking about says let's build three shelters he doesn't have a clue what he's doing why is that well there's something serious for us here Peter he's living with his current worldview but his current worldview is now an old worldview his current worldview is Moses and Elijah they're my heroes whoa this is awesome and I mean, I've been with Jesus. I'm journeying with Jesus. But Moses and Elijah, well, oh, okay, I've got three big cheeses here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. accidental pun. I've got three big cheeses here. And so he builds three t- um, tents. He says, let's build three tents for these But he's living with an old worldview. Because by doing that, he's making Jesus small. He doesn't realize it. And we would do the same. Because Moses and Elijah, from the old mindset, are, are the big ones. And he, and he knows Jesus is important. So he makes three tents. He says, let's build a shelf for all of you. But he equalizes all three of them, therefore. He's got an old mindset because Jesus is so much more than Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Jesus has come to fulfill the law and the prophets you, you, you hear, you know, Jesus keeps saying, you "No, know, you have heard it said, but I say this. He goes so much deeper, so much further than all the law and the prophets. Hebrews chapter one says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's own glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is so much more than Moses and Elijah. And Peter doesn't realize his old mindset prevents him from receiving the full weight, the full revelation, the full magnitude of who this Jesus is. Again, many many of us have been in that place and maybe you're in that place right now. You're on the edge. Maybe you'd say you're on the edge of committing to faith. You're on the edge of liking church, but you're not sure. Is there something from the past, something in the old way of thinking now, and you know it, but the kingdom's calling you. Jesus is calling you. Lay that down. There's a whole new thing here. I know you felt this before. I know you've experienced this before. I know you've got hung up on this before. But I, Jesus, am right here for you now. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Peter has no idea. He's building tabernacles. He wants to build temples, tabernacles, I mean tents. But Jesus is going to burst through. The temple curtain's going to be torn into. Jesus is going to burst into a heavenly tabernacle. By his blood, Peter has no idea. And I imagine at this point, Moses and Elijah. So Peter's just said, should we build three tents for you? I can imagine Moses and Elijah just like slowly looking at him. And I can imagine James and John like over here, just going, no, Peter, no, no. You know, it's 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 just very comic. But then... While he was still speaking, a bright cloud, verse five, covered the mountaintop. A bright cloud covered the mountaintop. And the cloud, if you know your Old Testament, the cloud represents God's special presence. And we struggle with words for it, but his manifest presence. It's it's where the air becomes thick is, is, is how I describe it where you just know that you know that you know that God is extremely close. The cloud covers the mountain, all goes still. And here we switch to the second part of our talk, the revelation for ourselves, the aha moment. The something we learn when heaven meets earth that changes us forever, that has to be placed right at the core of who we are for the rest of our days. And we're gonna get it now from this story. You see, because I've read loads of commentaries on this passage, I've studied a lot this passage, but I think they all miss it. They all miss this aha moment. The biggest revelation of this passage is what the voice says from the cloud. It's what God says to Jesus. Now, pause, pause, because you know what he says. We've read it. Imagine you don't know what he says. Imagine you've no idea what the voice says, because this is a really powerful way to, to, to read scripture, to interpret scripture. What do you think he might've said? What might God Almighty say to Jesus's son at this moment. Well, I've come up with my own suggestions. You might want to come up with your own at home right now. Here's three of mine. The time has come. This is the hour. You are the chosen one. Rise up, warrior. (laughs) How about that? How about that? Okay, I've, I've been living in the Marvel Universe recently, so that, that's what's going on here. All right, how about this? The evil one has rebelled from me for thousands of years. The earth has laid barren under his grip, but for no more I send forth you. All right, one one final one. I know you're enjoying this at home. One final one. Peter, James, John, stand back. And this beam of light comes out of God's hand and hits Jesus the son when it makes that sound. Peter, James and John stand back. So that's what could have happened. But that's not what happened. The voice from the cloud says, my son, I love you. My son, I love you. I just love you. I really love you. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. Guys, listen to him. He's my son, I love him. He's absolutely amazing. He's full of my love. Son, I love you. Let me pour out more love into you right now. I love you. Listen to him. I love him. He's my son. This is extraordinary. This is the greatest revelation that when heaven meets earth, that the greatest revelation is a revelation of the importance of knowing that we're loved. The importance of knowing that we're love, that these are the most important words that Jesus needs us to know right now. Really? These are the most important words that Jesus says he's gonna suffer and die on a cross. These are the most important words that he needs to know right now. You're loved. You're my Son, this is how though Jesus is gonna journey through the garden of Gethsemane, weeping with tears. This is how Jesus is gonna sit at the last supper where his best friend kisses him and, and, and betrays him. This is how Jesus is gonna die on the cross and wonder where, where, why he's forsaken, but knows that he's loved that this love will carry him through. This is when Jesus will lay in the tomb and will visit hell itself to preach the gospel because he knows he's loved. He'll remember that his father said, you're my son and I love you. And only those words would carry him all the way through to resurrection day. Only these words would live right at the core of his being and take him through anything that might happen to him because he knew he was loved. This is the power of living from God-given identity rather than our own sourced identity, from living from God-given words rather than any words the world might say to you. You are loved. This is my son, this is my daughter with whom I'm well placed. I just love you. I just love you. And this is the deep truth, the aha moment for us that kingdom achievement comes from kingdom identity. The kingdom achievement comes from kingdom identity. Jesus could have achieved so much any other way he wanted. We haven't got time to go into it, but the temptation in the wilderness in Luke 4, when Satan comes and tempts him with all the other ways he could achieve without using love. He could have all that the world would give him, all power and splendor and authority if he'd followed the way of the enemy. But no, the way to go was the way of the cross, was the way of love. We must achieve for the kingdom from a sense of our identity as being loved by God. Nothing else will bring true kingdom fruit in our lives unless we operate from this place of knowing we're loved. This is why this was the most important word from the cloud that could possibly come. I love you. I love you. And put your own name in there. I love you. I love you. It's the greatest revelation. And in this moment, is that what you need to know? In the moment, in the cloud is what Jesus needed to know. The cross speaks to you, you're loved. The life of Jesus speaks to you, you're loved. The voice of God speaks to you, you're loved. This sermon right now, God is using to speak to you. You are loved. You are loved. And we're tempted, aren't we, to live our lives out of a place of of lack of love. It causes uh, just all kinds of things, a love deficit. And we all start in different places on this, depending on our earthly families. But ultimately, at least was trying to manipulate, trying to control things, trying to be perfectionist with things. I know that's true with me. And it then makes me anxious. Like, Am I gonna do this well enough? Why? Because in some deep way, I'm trying to gain love. But what if we all started from a place of I'm loved? I'm loved so I can lift my head up, I can look you in the eye because I'm loved by God eternal. I'm loved, this is my identity, therefore I'm free. I could just do what God calls me to do. And every one of us, every one of you would have a different sphere of influence in business, in workplace, in family, in health, in home where you just are to operate and you are to operate in a kingdom way. And you could only do that if you do it out of a starting blocks of you are loved. And this love is for all of you. No matter what's happened to you in the past, this love that's revealed in scripture, fully in Jesus dying on the cross, is for all of you. It's for all of us. It's the most incredible mountaintop truth. When heaven meets earth, the greatest revelation is that we are loved. I wanna uh, come into land by showing you a picture of two birds Can we have that on the screen? Uh, I I love this story in the news recently. This is the Regent Honey Eater Bird. What a great name. Talking about identity. The Regent Honey Eater Bird. And uh, this is a songbird. And uh, it used to be uh, abundant in Southeast Australia, but there's now just under 300 of them left. It's tragic. And uh, they've been started to be researched and studied. And what the researchers have just found is that this bird has lost its song. How sad is that? It's lost its song. The researcher says he started to notice that birds were singing weird songs. They'd started copying the songs of other birds around them. And so they've lost their own song the researchers said they didn't sound anything like a Regent honey eater anymore. They sounded like a totally different species. We mustn't lose our song and copy the world. Our distinctive as followers of Jesus is being a people who know that we are loved and live like that God was concerned that Jesus mustn't lose his song. And if it was the greatest, most important thing for Jesus to know, it sure is the most important thing for you and I to know that we are loved. And this love changes, this love transforms, this love metamorphosis changes us from the inside out. And here's the thing, what the world needs is the songbirds to keep their song. And I don't need to spend half an hour going through everything that's going on in the news for you, you know it. But what the world needs more than ever is the songbirds to keep their song, to live their lives, you and I, out of the basic starting place that I am loved by God. Otherwise, you will start singing other people's song. God needed Jesus to keep his song. As the band wanna start coming up, in those hours of darkness on the cross, God needed Jesus to keep his song. What would it be if we could live like that? Just think at work, maybe this week, you might still be working at home, but just think this week, instead of praying, God, may today go really well. May this thing I've got to achieve go really well. What if you prayed instead, God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for the height and depth and breadth of your great love for me. May I operate today out of that place that I'm loved by you. I commit everything I need to achieve into your hands. And I know that you love me no matter what happens. It's it's a, a paradigm shift. The kingdom achievement comes from kingdom identity. And what's lovely is this mountaintop experience, which leads to a greater revelation of God and an aha moment. This never leaves Peter. It never leaves John. We find, and and again, we haven't got time, but you can read it for yourself in 2 Peter chapter one, one of the letters he wrote way later on when he's a bishop in the church. He references this event. He can't shake it. He can't forget it. It's changed him forever. That The voice from the cloud said, I love you. I just love you. We find it in John's gospel chapter one, we think maybe. When John refers to the glory he's seen of the one and only Son. They can't shake it, they can't forget it. They haven't lost their song. So today, is quite an extraordinary passage. And I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, would you deposit in everyone watching this, that's you, two things, a greater revelation of Jesus for your life, Remember not to rush on an act or do stuff for him, but just to worship. Maybe just this week, how can you linger more? How can you worship him more? What can you do to just be more with him? And then secondly, I'm praying the Holy Spirit is delivering an aha, aha moment that you are deeply loved and that you should operate everything in your life out of that place. I'm gonna end by reading uh, one of the devotions from this week that we've been putting out every, every day, we put out a devotion, and this week it was um, Ali Khalil, and I've asked her permission to read out a section of this. So I think it's a perfect place to end, the reminder not to lose our song. She says this: "There have been many, many times in my life where I have not loved myself, not at all, far from it." And it's in those moments that I have chosen to think that I'm not worthy of the love of Jesus. And do you know what? I still have those moments. It's usually when I don't think I'm good enough. I feel shame or I've shouted at my kids or I've had a bad day at work or wondered why my life hasn't turned out a particular way. It's when comparison creeps in and steals my joy and I feel empty and hollow. But I've discovered There is another choice. It's a choice to turn back to my childhood before the days of mistakes and remember the simple words my grandma sang over me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. don't forget the song. Sing it loud and sing it proud that you are loved by God, and all kinds of crazy when heaven meets earth things will happen around you. Put love first and sing that song. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this great revelation in scripture that nothing can separate us from your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you were faithful to the Father, that you received this message of love. Jesus, that you didn't listen to the enemy, but that you lived out your life from a place of being loved. Help us today, help us this week, help us this year to never move on from that basic place of knowing we're loved by you. And we pray for us as a church in this city that our song would be love unknown, our Savior's love for me, that we might shine in this city with the love of the Father God, that we would love all peoples as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.